This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Jimmy Bogard. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing great, doing great. And yourself? I'm doing excellent. Uh, we're just enduring some rainy spring weather here in Kentucky. How are things in Texas? Well, it rained, which is kind of rare for, for Austin. So that was that was good, I guess. <laughs> uh, the, the warm season's coming. I've, I feel bad for you. I used to live in Florida, and I'm not a fan of the heat, so I, I oh, know what's gosh. coming your way. The warm season is the year. <laughs> it never stops, right? No. So I wanted to get you on the show today uh, because of a GitHub issue I saw on the MVC uh, GitHub repository. And uh, this GitHub issue is, um, it reads, Basic Object Mapper for Simple Model View View Model Property Mapping. Um, And I I have a feeling that uh, you have some opinions about this uh, having... Um, one of a, one of a, a very popular um, uh, NuGet package for .NET AutoMapper, and yeah. uh, it's been quite successful. And this, um, to me, looks like it may step on your toes a little bit. Uh, so I wanted to get you to talk about um, kind of where you're at and and how this affects you. Uh, but before we get started, why don't you give everybody a quick introduction of uh, who you are, what you do, Jimmy? Okay, um, so I I guess I really write code for customers for a living. I work at a, a consulting company called Headspring out of Austin, Texas, and nearly all the open source stuff I work on uh, is really just is just stuff that I build to help my clients. Um, it's it's every it's just tools I wanted to keep using and using and using as as we uh, go from client to client. Um, and so almost everything that I, I write and use these days is. Uh, uh, with open source is just is stuff I'm actually using on on client projects that I just don't want to I don't want to lose when I go to the next client. And uh, you have this tool called AutoMapper, which is an object uh, mapping tool. Um, why don't we give everybody a quick like elevator pitch? Like, what is an object mapper? Well, the basic idea is I have two objects that look pretty similar, and my general use case was. Um, I'm building web applications and ASP.NET MVC typically, and I have kind of a rich domain model that's bound to the database in some way or another, uh, usually with an ORM like in any framework. But then I have this other thing I'm using to show information on the web, uh, either for showing forms or also posting data from the web. And you have this general problem in that your backend object is generally very rich and behavioral and has a lot of things associated with it. But the thing you're coming in from the web is generally not. And you typically don't want to mix those two things together. Uh, so about, gosh, eight or nine years ago, uh, I saw this issue of uh, when we're starting out MVC that we wanted to have these, these DTOs that we use for the, for the MVC side and have these rich backend objects. But how, you know, what would be the mechanism that we, we copy that information from the rich backend objects to the front end dumb DTO objects. And I didn't want to do that all by hand. And I looked around and saw that really wasn't anything 
that that did it for you automatically. And so I created AutoMapper as a way to automatically figure out how to copy information from one object to the other. Probably a pretty stupid idea, like that doesn't seem that complicated, but there were a few things I wanted to have out of the box that uh, would help us out. Uh, one of the big ones was flattening. So if you have like foo.bar.baz on your destination object, you could just have a single property, foo bar baz. It would automatically traverse those associations and figure out how to flatten that uh, object for you. Um, handle nulls as well. Like if there's a, if foo was null or bar was null, I'd be able to handle that as well. Um, and the other big thing I wanted to do was make sure we could test it as well. So if I misspelled something or removed a property, I could just have one line of just check all my configuration is valid, that all the names match up and there's nothing missing. And if there is, go an exception. So it's really easy for us to test to say, make sure all my mappings are good. Yeah, I've, I've actually used this quite extensively and uh, the testing helper works really good. I mean, you can just check really quickly do the do these two models align and it gives you you know fast feedback like no they don't go fix it yep. and uh, <laughs> it's it's very helpful um, so you don't end up finding those errors you know deep uh, in the development cycle you know especially if you're making changes to things you rename an object or something it'll pick up on that and catch it yeah you just catch it right away now if, if you hand roll these mappings of course you'd find it right away because you get a compiler but again those are just uh, the project that came where I came up with this this library, and we were looking at like thousands and thousands and thousands of lines of code and mapping. We're like, just no way would we want to write that all by hand and have to support it, maintain it, and test it. Um, so that was a, that was the general idea is that we're we're about to write a whole bunch of mapping code by hand, and I just didn't want to. <laughs> I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. So let's let's use that I guess to get into the this subject with um, what's going on with Microsoft. So. They, they have this GitHub issue out, and they want to build a simplified version, I guess, of an object mapper that comes out of the box. Um, so I was on the previous podcast. We do kind of like a um, news uh, summary podcast every other week, and I talked about this already a little bit, and I said, you know, we, we see this happen a lot with Microsoft where they have a framework or system and they decide to add features to it that already exist in either the community or commercial software, and they end up either killing off something or angering the community. <laughs> so how how does this affect you? They're, they're basically proposing that they build a version of, it may not be the same feature complete level as AutoMapper, but they're basically implying they want to build the same thing. Yeah. Um so taking a look from Microsoft's perspective and just kind of what they've had available to, to solve this general problem. And the, and the overall problem that you have is you're trying to bind raw form post data to some object model that you can then do something with. Uh, and so typically what you see from a lot of examples online from MVC are using your back, rich backend data model, your domain model or whatever you want to call it, the thing that's bound directly to the database, using that as the object that you use to bind form variables from. Now, there's a big problem with there, uh, a security issue that's known as the mass assignment uh, security, uh, security hole, security whatever. Um, 
so, so that you could you accidentally allow a lot more form variables to be posted to your object model than you originally intended to. So there are a few ways around this. Uh, one is some out-of-the-box features from MVC that uh, you can use a little bind attribute on your on your form post action parameter to explicitly allow or disallow specific properties, and that is achieved through a very maintainable uh, string of comma-separated property names and a string. Um, the other way, <laughs> of course, that's like impossible to maintain and easy to screw up. And the other thing that people often do is, is, is create a very specific DTO that just represents the information on the screen. And then that is effectively your, your, uh, your allowed list of properties to bind to. And then from there, you take that list of properties and then, uh, then associate that with your, your backend data, your ORM models or whatever you want to bind that information to in the backend. So with this DTO, uh, it allows you to, to have a very specific form object, but there is zero out-of-the-box tools from ASP.NET MVC to facilitate doing this kind of development. So they already provide this bind attribute to either allow or disallow certain properties, but there's zero to have this kind of uh, DTO-based development. So from their perspective, it's just a, we want to solve the uh, mass assignment security vulnerability that everyone has to deal with that does any sort of web development. Um, and it's not specific to ASP9 and MVC. This is a really big security hole in Ruby on Rails a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, and they Absolutely. had a similar sort of solution, which was here's, a, here's an allowed list of things they want you to bind to. Um, in the .NET world, because we, have, uh, we, we can build these DTOs pretty easily, then our team solved this eight or nine years ago by just building these specific DTOs. Uh, yeah, this is something that... Those white lists in uh, Ruby were, were kind of a pain. <laughs> they were yeah, kind of to maintain those things. Um, <laughs> also, like, you know, why why do we need this? Why don't we just uh, go right from NAD framework to the view? Oh, well, that's that's it. That's uh, that's that's the problem. And I mean, there's a whole a whole host of other issues that you run into if you just take this this entity framework or an hibernate or whatever thing and just shove it in the view because uh, that's that's typically when your DBA starts screaming because they're like, oh, you have, <laughs> you have these, these database problems because, you know, I iterate over a, over a collection in a table and now it's making all these queries in the back end. Um, so for a whole, whole host of reasons, we uh, many years ago wanted to go the, uh, the DTO route, uh, specifically creating individual view models, as we call them, for every single form we show on the page or even every, uh, every read-only view as well. So from from Microsoft's standpoint, they're they're trying to alleviate this problem from the end user, uh, but hasn't you know you and the rest of the community kind of solved this? I I mean I think so. Um, from from my perspective, it's uh, a bit of a solved problem from 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 my end. Um, but uh, I can uh, you know I, I I do always try to see the other side on this, and and the other side is. Uh, they want to just have something, their original intent was just to have something that solves the mass assignment vulnerability problem. Uh, now, Automapper is a, is a very rich tool that does a whole lot of things, and it's also quite opinionated in that it's my opinion about how to build MVC applications. Uh, and so that kind of runs contrary to Microsoft's perspective. They don't really want to provide a lot of opinions on how to build things out of the box. 
but they do would like to provide something that's small and lightweight. So I I was contacted uh, by the team before the before really m many of anyone else saw it, and my general feedback was. Uh, Great. This is a, I, you know, I've been struggling for years to try to teach people how to build MVC applications differently and better, in my opinion. Um, so you don't run into these issues of mass assignment vulnerabilities. You don't pass a lazily loaded enabled entity framework thing to the view. And now I have all these crazy queries going on and all this sort of crazy stuff. Um, so from my perspective, it was a great, you know, let's help people build applications better. Um, uh, and if there are things that are that are missing from Automapper that precluded you from using it, then I wanted to understand what those were. Um, it's a tool that I've used for years and years and years, so I kind of know it inside and out. But if it if it if it if one of the reasons why it wasn't being looked at is that it didn't have a sufficiently low bar for entry, then that's something I said. Okay, tell me what's you know tell me what you're looking at, what what your what features you're looking at, and then. I will do my best to make sure that um, I can I can have it also low bar on my side as well. Um, so initially, my perspective wasn't, "Hey, you should guys should use Automapper." It was more, "Hey, what 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 are you building so that I can copy it and make sure that it's really easy to transition from whatever you build to whatever I build?" Because what they're looking at was literally like a hundred lines of code of you know just things with the same property names, copy them and call it a day. And not looking at things like uh, flattening uh, conversions, all the crazy things that I support in Automapper, um, they weren't looking at that. They would say, okay, if you want anything more, go use that. So from my perspective, I was looking at what would be the easiest way I can have to get people to uh, transition from one to the other. Um, but I guess it got out. Uh, and I, <laughs> I was actually like a, away for the weekend and I came back my Twitter reply box was just <laughs> ginormous. Um, and then I, I, I guess a lot of other people were upset uh, about this. I wasn't, I wasn't really, I just, you know, I want people to build applications well. Um, and I really just want to understand, you know, what was stopping you from using, from just including in there and let's see if we can fix that. But if we can't, you know, how can I make it super easy? Um, but I guess other people had their opinion and wanted to just say use Automapper and thought, you know what, actually, that what what would that look like exactly? So at this point, for oh gosh, that issue is like 100 comments, 200 comments. I can't even keep track of it. Um, so we're kind of tr just trying to figure out what is it, what would that look like? Um, yeah, because we've done something similar uh, in in this space with uh, Newtonsoft, uh, Jason. Um, the the JSON, uh, you know, serialized, deserialized stuff. Um, so, what, you know, would it be a similar situation where they just default to AutoMapper for the object mapping? I mean, is that like kind of what's been put on the table as an option? Yeah, there's a there's a few options on the table. Um, I mean, one obviously is to just use just use AutoMapper. Say like we we will. We will include that in the file new project template for certain templates. Um, that's one option. Another option is to just include a very dumb version of this. Uh, so basically what they're looking at was, you know, take those hundred lines of code and include that as a package. Uh, that'd be another option. 
Um, another option would be to, to do neither. Just say we, you know, object mapping is a thing you should do. And then in their docs, which uh, are on docs.aspnet or something like that, um, in there in the documentation say, okay, when you're building an MVC application, you should really use these DTOs and uh, here are some tools to make that easier for you. So instead of them more or less blessing a single library, then they can say, here are some options that you have available for you. Um, so I, I, I kind of think it's, like, personally, I kind of think it's similar to the, the Newtonsoft, um, uh, the, the JSON.NET uh, situation, um, but it's different in a couple ways. One, it's very difficult today to build an MVC application that doesn't have JSON serialization at all. I mean, it's, it's like, it's the core, one of the core things that's part of MVC and web APIs is the ability to take JSON and serialize its objects. But the argument isn't so strong for an object mapper. So there are quite a few comments on the issue that said, hey, I've, I never use Automapper. I don't want you cluttering up my file new project. You know, why do we have one more thing we have to reference? Um, but for, for people like myself, it's basically every single project that I use it on. So you can kind of see like, well, <laughs> how do they, how do they balance trying to make things lean versus uh, kind of recognizing what what's going on out there? Um, then there's the issue of uh, just Microsoft blessing a specific library and saying this is the one that that shall win. Um, now, from my perspective, I don't. Uh, no matter which way it goes, Automapper is a, a pretty established library out there. I'm not really concerned about something consuming it. I, I know a lot of people that do open source that are really concerned about it, but for something like my stuff, I, 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 I'm not, my, my, my libraries don't make me money. Um, I don't, I don't charge for support or anything like that. It's purely just things I, I build for my clients and I'm mainly just trying to make my clients happy. And if other people are happy with the stuff I build, that's great. Um, but I, I'm mostly concerned about my personal clients. But it does set a little bit of a precedent that it says, okay, if they create this open source library, Microsoft doesn't have a great track record uh, historically of just adopting other people's open source stuff. You can look at dependency injection containers or even MVC itself. Uh, when MVC first came out, people were like, why can't <laughs> you just use Castle Monorail, uh, which was a thing many years ago, but now really isn't a thing. Um, or or uh, MS Test, <clears throat> Entity Framework. Yeah, there's there's a long a long list of things that people can point to and say uh, Microsoft just created their own version of the thing that really wasn't any better as opposed to investing in the existing open source tooling that was out there. Um, so a lot of the historical reasons why Microsoft did that in the past have pretty much gone away. But then you see something like this, and that's why people get pretty sensitive about it. Is gosh, this is just Microsoft up to their old tricks. Um, that's I've actually read every single freaking comment on the on the GitHub <laughs> issue. And it honestly seems like no matter what Microsoft chooses to do, there's someone in that issue list that has a problem with it. So yeah, I think it's a You're not gonna <laughs> I don't make everybody happy, that's for sure. No, no. In fact people are pretty uh pretty extreme about it. Like it seems like no matter what choice they make, they are destroying open source based on the uh comments I saw there. So if they include something, they're destroying open source. If they decide to use Automapper, they're destroying open source because they're promoting one library over another. If they just include in the documentation, they're again destroying, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I really feel for them, <laughs> and, but I don't envy them. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's like the presidential elections all over again. Yeah, I just... <laughs> it's like I, I, two angry yeah. sides and nobody wins. <laughs> no, I think what's probably going to happen here is uh, this issue garnered enough attention that I'd, I... I I know they were looking just from a timing perspective, you know, it's really easy to get in a hundred lines of code into the next release of ASP.NET Core. So I probably think it's going to happen is uh, we won't see anything on, on this for this upcoming release of ASP.NET Core, but it'll be something they can look at the, the, the one after that as a, as something to, to look at more deeply at seeing how, how much people cared about it. Um, there's no like the top comment there is uh, why not use Automapper? And it has like 40, <laughs> oh, it has uh, 52 thumbs up, whereas the original issue has 52 thumbs down. So it <laughs> seems like a lot of people care about it quite deeply. So um, anything that has that much passion around it, uh, I think they're going to probably pump the brakes a little bit and uh, look a little bit more deeply to be able to consider all aspects of this. Yeah, hopefully they do. And... Um, you know, hopefully if they do decide to implement something, it's very lightweight and it doesn't feature creep, uh, which they've had a tendency to do with some of these other solutions. Um, like, uh, any new frameworks have been one I can think of that's kind of, there were a lot of different projects out there that did the same thing and it's, it killed off not only open source projects, but commercial ones and, mm -hmm. yeah. I just, this, this is from just a, like a personal perspective, I can't see anything they do kind of killing Automapper um, just because it's so established uh, and it's been around for such a very long time. And it, although there are other mapping libraries out there, there isn't, there aren't really, I would say any really com like al competitive alternatives. Um, I don't mean to like toot my own horn or anything like that, but most of them are just uh, kind of copies to, uh, to be slightly faster versions. Um, I haven't seen anything yet that's like a really different thing. So that was one of the things I look at coming out of it is even if, if Microsoft were to just choose Automapper, like this is what we're going to go with, then I could see that as a positive for open source because it would tend to consolidate uh, like the, just the, the, the normal features that you would see in an object mapper. And then new libraries would pop up that have truly alternative alternative things that they do. Um, and one idea that I that people come up with uh, to me is um, why can't you use Roslyn as the thing that you use to generate the mapping code? Um, Roslyn being the Microsoft C# -sharp compiler. I thought that was a fantastic idea because you can get like rich stack traces of exactly what went wrong. And you can have highly performant, like as good as hand rolled code performance. Um, but I wouldn't do it simply because I, I support a wide array of platforms that are a much larger superset than just Roslyn supports today. So if I went down the Roslyn path, I would have to have a much narrower set of platforms I could support. And that's not something I'm willing to, to take on in terms of supporting two flat, like two different, completely separate mapping internal engines, um, or just kill off a bunch of platforms I support. So this could be something if Microsoft picks a single one that uh, could force actual innovation uh, from other libraries as opposed to being kind of 
more or less the same thing. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about uh, where the the open source project uh, AutoMapper is going. Um, .NET Core is still fairly new. Uh, have you been able to port AutoMapper over to work on .NET Core? And um, what what was that process like for you? Oh gosh, the <laughs> I, I like audible sigh is probably the best <laughs> response I can have for that one. Um, so I've, I've had a long history in AutoMapper of trying to support other .NET platforms. Um, I even had like a, a Silverlight 3 release of AutoMapper way back in the day. Um, so from my perspective, uh, .NET Core was a big step forward in me being able to support a lot more platforms, including .NET Core itself, uh, with their even latest tooling in Visual Studio 2017, it's, it's really easy to make a library that can target multiple platforms. Um, when I went to .NET Core, uh, it was, I mean, if anyone's been paying attention to the, the .NET Core stuff in the past three years or so, uh, you've probably seen a lot of churn in the tooling. Well, I felt a lot of that churn because I've had to uh, change my projects and my builds and the packaging and deployments to be able to support all these different, uh, all the different tooling that's come out. So absent of all that, um, it's been fairly straightforward for me to actually port the, the code itself to support uh, .NET Core. And then one of the big reasons is, is because Microsoft have moved from a cross-platform targeting approach for code of portable class libraries, uh, which was a big hack, I think, but it worked. It was just very difficult to uh, to support as an open source maintainer to this new idea of defining a standard library of uh, API surface area. And that's what's known as the net standard. Uh, well, it's .NET standard. I guess that's just, it's just .NET standard. Um, so now if I want to support any new platform that comes up, um, as long as that platform can target uh, a .NET standard version that I'm targeting, it just, uh, it just I, they just get it for free. And .NET Core is one of them. Uh, so is Xamarin. Um, I think you can actually one, run AutoMapper on an Apple Watch as well because it's part of the .NET standard that I'm targeting. Um, the only one I, I drop support of is Windows Phone Silverlight. So the <laughs> four of you out there that still have a Windows Phone 8 Silverlight version, uh, I'm sorry, you can't run at least this version of AutoMapper, maybe an older version. Um, so it, it's it's almost trivial now for me to support something like .NET Core because it's 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 just part of targeting the .NET standard, and I get .NET Core for free based on that. So now that we're through the churn of uh, you know CS Proj versus um, the JSON-based <laughs> uh, you know, project.json and all that, uh, iterating over these different ideas, uh, things are are pretty good then. Yeah, uh, I. I from uh, it's for me it's it's been greatly simplified because uh, because of their focus on building command line uh, interfaces to the .NET CLI, uh, my my build process has gotten much more simplified over the years. Um, it's funny actually. This I, in prep for this podcast, went back and looked to see like when the very first commit of AutoMapper was, and it was actually back in 2008 uh, that the very first commit was, and 
the very first commit was almost all build artifacts of Mant <laughs> and, and like all this junk to do all that. It's like, oh gosh, that was so, you know, I, you know, having assemblies checked in directly because there was no NuGet back then. It's like, oh gosh, so much simpler now. So um, from, from that perspective, the tooling's got uh, quite a bit easier uh, on my side just to be able to support and maintain. So I, I got to tell you, like the last thing I care about these days is build scripts. Like that's just at the very bottom of my list of things I want to spend my time on. Yeah, I mean, solving the users' problems and the business problems is what we're here to do, and not you know write build scripts and worry about uh, source control and uh, hopefully we have a DevOps person to handle <laughs> some of the other yeah. stuff for us. So, Jimmy. Um, do you have any events coming up? Are you are you going to be anywhere uh, giving uh, sessions and uh, talking about Automap or anything else? You know, that's funny. I I've actually never given a talk on Automapper. Really? Like ever? Um, maybe because I'm I'm just using it all the time. It's just <laughs> it seems like a boring topic for myself. I was like, yeah, just map some code. There you go. <laughs> Done. Mapper dot map. Um, but I, I do talk a lot about how we build applications. And so that's what mil, like almost all my talks are about is experience reports of here's something I ran into or, or here's looking back at a project over the last two years and here are the things we found out of it. Um, so I do actually have a few events coming up and probably the biggest one coming up for me is uh, NDC Oslo in June. Um, I will be talking about building compositional user interfaces over microservices, um, actually using some of the tools that Tailwork provides as well. Oh, excellent. Uh, uh, showing how uh, you know, that, that very last step of building microservices is, okay, now I need a, the users want an app to consume all these things. And now I'm feeling, I'm, I'm back in monolith hell, except with a hundred times more latency because everything's an API call. Uh, so that's, that's the big one I have coming up. And that's probably the only one I can remember right now. <laughs> um, just for full disclosure, too, like I had no clue uh, that you were talking about that. So that's awesome. Um, <laughs> well, it was the one that got accepted. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about uh, Code Palooza? Did you? Oh yeah, uh, that's the two weeks before, I believe. Uh, Code Palooza. I don't remember what I'm talking about there. I probably should have this written down somewhere. Yeah, I will be there as well. Uh, I'll be talking about um, just a broad overview of .NET Core and, and what to expect if you're an MVC 4 slash 5 developer and you're getting ready to transition over into .NET Core. Like, what are all the changes and what do you need to know? Uh, so uh, we will both be at that event in Louisville, um, and I will make sure to put some links up on our uh, show notes page uh, so if you're in those areas, if you're in Oslo or if you're in Louisville, uh, you can come out and see Jimmy. And uh, we'll have to um, connect on another show about something other than Automapper uh, while we're both um, in town. Great. Um, so, uh, Jimmy, where can we find your blog and, and follow you on Twitter and all that good stuff? Well, I'll try to make it easy. So my blog is at jimmybogard.com. And you can find me on Twitter at, at jbogard. Um, Twitter still uses the at symbol for some things these days. I guess not replies anymore. And yeah, those are the two best places. 
Excellent. And uh, you can find more um, links from the show on developer.telerik.com. Um, and also join us on May 9th. Uh, we're doing a Kendo UI webinar, and we're going to give away five Ultimate Angular online courses. Uh, that's the Angular courses by uh, Todd Motto, a uh, very uh, prolific Angular guy out there. Uh, he has some awesome courses that uh, teach you everything you need to know about Angular. We got five licenses to give away for that and an Xbox One S. So again, developer.teller.com. Look for the links in the show notes for the Kendo UI webinar on May 9th. Uh, Jimmy, it's been excellent talking to you again. Um, keep up the good work on AutoMapper. Uh, it's something that I've used in the past many, many times. And uh, I'll probably again use on my next big application whenever I... Uh, get back into building some big full-scale stuff again. Uh, so thanks for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Ed. Appreciate it, too. Thanks for having me.